You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. On today's podcast episode, I interview Dick Eastman, the director of Every Home for Christ, an international Christian missions ministry that's seen over 243 million people follow Jesus. That's incredible. If you don't know Dick Eastman, he is a legend in the prayer and missions movement. He's a personal hero of mine, and it was a huge honor to get to talk to him about what God's doing right now. Not only is Dick Eastman a leader in the missions movement and connected to what God's doing in the nations of the earth, but he's passionate about worship and prayer as a critical part of seeing the church fulfill the Great Commission. And he was one of the first people in the United States to ever have a 24-7 prayer ministry back during the Jesus People movement in California. And we talk about that amazing time as well. But most importantly, what God's doing right now and how we can be a part of it. So you don't want to miss any of this episode. Stay tuned till the end. Dick really opens up his heart about his love for Jesus. And you're going to want to make sure you enjoy this entire episode. If you're new to the Presence Pioneers podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in with us. We exist to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer because we believe God's presence changes everything. We release new episodes on Thursdays. They're either short Bible teachings or they're extended conversations like the interview with Dick Eastman today. So please hit follow or subscribe wherever you're checking us out so that you can get the latest episodes. I'd also encourage you go to presencepioneers.org. That's our website. You can sign up for email updates there and we'll email you every week when the new episode comes out. You'll be the first to know and sometimes you'll get special bonuses for our email subscribers only as well. Up on our website, we have all of our podcast archives, you can search by keyword or topic. You can learn more about our ministry there. You can also make a donation to just say thank you or to help support the podcast because we are at this point free from any ads or sponsors and we're just supported and funded by our Presence Pioneers partners. So thank you to those of you who support our ministry. Well, without further ado, here is my interview with Dick Eastman. Enjoy. Dick, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's great to be with you and exciting to be a part of what God's doing globally through the prayer and mission movements. It's only going to increase, I'm certain. I agree. I agree. I think the Bible makes that very clear. Well, I, I think a lot of people who tune in to us or already know who you are probably have read some of your books and that kind of thing. But w- would you maybe just give us a few more bullet points of sort of quick flyby of who you are and what you do? Well, yeah, the Ministry of Every Home for Christ. Actually, was born in Western Canada way back in 1946. Of all things, with a radio ministry <laughs> with a, a young kind of fiery Canadian evangelist who had a passion to get the Word of God and the Scriptures and and the message of salvation, especially through printed form. In those days, when many, many, actually millions each month were learning to read, but most of them around the world were getting communist literature, not Christian literature. And, so uh, he just began to do everything he could to equip the missionaries around the world. And then, of course, um, as uh, many, many nationals came to know Jesus, they too wanted to get the word out. And that all led to uh, the early 1950s, and specifically 1953, when our uh, founder was out in 
Japan with a missionary. They were at a train station, the biggest train station in the world, just handing out messages of salvation. And for every one person they could engage, 10 of them got by them. And they were really broken about that. And that night, praying over a map of Japan and a map of Tokyo, Lord, how could we ever reach a nation and give everybody at least one chance? And the Lord just put on their heart, do what the early church did. Were in Acts 5, 42, it says, daily in the temple courts and to every house. They never stopped proclaiming that Jesus was the Christ. And, and thus, in those moments, they didn't realize it, but was born the every, the every home campaign that now uh, has really touched in some way every nation on earth. Wow. Right now, we have active campaigns in over 150 nations where literally, as I speak, there are people in the fields in the different time zones just going from house to house and uh, engaging people wherever they can and leaving a salvation message. And in fact, the year before COVID hit, which was 2019, that's the year before it, we reached nearly 130 million homes. Incredible. It was over 350,000 a day. Wow. And uh, people sometimes wonder, how could you, on earth could you do that? Well, God has just so blessed the volunteer force that has grown to where now, even this year, as we're coming out of COVID, we're already averaging over 150,000 regular volunteers every month, plus, you know, thousands of our own staff. And so we're just ready to see even a greater harvest. Yes. And um, of course, I, I need to also mention prayer has always been profoundly foundational to what we do in mobilizing like walls of prayer in countries all over the world where all 168 hours in the week are covered in prayer. That too is growing. And, you know, I have a lot of optimism even in the midst of some of the challenges we, very significant challenges we face in the world yeah. today. And we, if we read our Bibles, we knew this was going to happen, but we just have to stay in the battle because we ultimately win. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, the scriptures make clear that there's going to be great challenges in the nation, but also a great harvest in the nation. I totally agree with that. Speaking of some of the challenges, you know, as we're recording this, I, my original question to ask you at the top of the list was about some encouraging stories of what's happening in the nations. And I do want to get to that, but I, I'm also grieved at the moment because just within the last day or two, the nation of Afghanistan in particular has fallen to the Taliban and the U.S. embassy has been evacuated and we're seeing a major crisis there. I know a lot of people are wanting to pray. They're wanting to, you know, they're, they're grieved by what's happening there. I'm curious, you are a man of prayer. You've been praying for the nations, I know, for decades. How are you praying right now? How should the church pray in times of crisis when we have these moments and we, they seem overwhelming? How, do we, how should we respond? How should we pray? Well, of course, the first thing I would say is that we need to pray. Right. It's it's surprising that when these kind of things happen, people talk about it. And uh, years ago in one of my books, I wrote about prayer that the statement, after all is said and done, more is said than done. <laughs> uh, in other words, we one of the greatest lies in the church that, <laughs> that takes place all the time is when people say to another, um, I'll be praying for you, and then they never do it. But looking at the crisis that's in Afghanistan, one of the first things we really need to be praying for is the protection of those who have come to Christ because they 
they are to the Taliban and the way of their thinking, their their greatest enemies. And, you know, just to pray that God would, uh, you know, blind the eyes of the enemy from seeing these precious people who have come to Christ and to pray for them. And the other thing is we, we've known of hundreds of Christian workers and others that have been in the middle of all of the, the pain that's going on in that region. And in fact, for a, a number of years at our headquarters, the Jericho Center in Colorado Springs, we had a, a whole wing or area of a ministry that just totally operated in Afghanistan. Mm. And so we were very, very close to what they were doing and absolutely admired them. So we, one of the things we need to do is just, even if we don't know their names, or we don't know what the organization is, the Holy Spirit does, that we would pray for their protection. Several years ago, there was quite a story. I think it even got on news programs like 60 Minutes and others where there was a leader that was miraculously saved from the Taliban uh, by Navy SEALs. And, and, And actually, one Navy SEAL gave his life in order to rescue this this brother and so you just know that there's a war there's a spiritual war that's going on that can only be won in the place of prayer there's just no other way and so we just need to bring these needs into our praying even in these next few days there are different groups that are really really focusing prayer because obviously there's tremendous need there and we just have to hold tight to the promises of God that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and so we look at these places like Afghanistan and it seems so impossible but yet thank God for those that were willing to actually be there and to love the people and care for the people and share the good news with them I guess, too, also we, we just need to keep praying that, as we see in ancient times in Israel, how God turned the curse into a blessing. Right. How God turned things around, and we just need to contend for that. Amen. Yeah, what, what the enemy meant for evil, God can use it for good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, you know, obviously when we see the crisis, we see challenge in the nations. That stirs our hearts to pray. The other thing that can stir our hearts to pray is when we find out answers to prayer. When we see God doing things and we go, wow, our prayers make a difference. When we pray, God begins to move and things begin to happen. And and that encourages us as well. I know that we are, you know, in the midst of 20 plus years of day and night prayer that's exploded in the 21st century. At the same time, the gospel is going out to the nations um, in unprecedented ways, especially through ministries like Every Home for Christ and many others. Do you have any encouraging stories for us? Is there anything that's sticking out to you right now of some things God's done in, in recent years that might would encourage us to pray for the nations and stir our hearts for what the Lord's doing? Well, I think I think especially coming through this COVID season where, first of all, there was a time even in every home for Christ when we looked at our, our global staff, thousands of workers that we support, and then substantially support the providing of materials and the follow-up materials. And, and then all of a sudden, it looked like it was all gone. I mean, there, there was a point in, uh, I would say, in April 
of, of 2020 when we literally wondered if our ministry would exist by the following December or January. Wow. And financially is another example where, of course, was related to that was we have many partners and, and some of them are in business and their businesses were suffering and they wondered if they were going to survive. It ended up that we had one of the greatest years that we, we've ever had. And I've heard it from others. Now, there were some numbers of them that had real challenges. Yeah. Now, now here we're a ministry that exists to take the gospel to where people live. And so nations were shutting down. I mean, total lockdown. And you'd think, okay, they, you, you just couldn't do your work. Strangely, in numbers of nations, because even government officials were afraid to go out home to home, even to check on people or for any reason, mm-hmm. because that they were going to get sick. Well, and our workers weren't afraid of that. And so we ended up having a number of nations where the government just, instead of fighting us, approved us because we would take masks and food supplies to people that were literally starving. But we were freely allowed to take the gospel. Hmm. And the other thing is that people in these circumstances, first of all, you can imagine how they would welcome anyone that would come to care for them. And then in the midst of that, they hear the message of Jesus Christ and salvation. So we were seeing incredible things happening in even remote villages of the, the nations where we work, where no one else was there, no one else cared. I mean, and even, for example, in Siberia, in parts of Siberia, our workers began to transport medical personnel because there was no other way for them to travel. And in the same sense, we were able to share the gospel in these places, and and not only to the places that, that you were going to, but to the very people that you were transporting. I mean, there were a lot of these kind of mm. testimonies, uh, being able to share the, the good news. And I can tell you there was no question people were more interested mm. because of the fact that you, you were in places where practically every person knew someone that was either at the point of death or very, very sick. And that's when you start thinking about eternity. And when you're there to, to share with them how Jesus changed your life and how he want, wants to change your life, there's there's a greater openness. And I think right now there's going to in, increasingly be that kind of an openness to where we see these kind of dramatic transformations take place. Mm. I, I think on an exciting note, we're just now opening up to do, I believe, way more than we've already done. That, you know, the Bible's predicted it, that there would be these signs and wonders. We're, we're hearing more and more of people of different religious traditions having visions of Jesus coming yeah. to them yeah. uh, in a dream and sharing his joy and what you might say, planting a seed. And then, you know, two or three days later, someone shows up at the door and the, and the, <laughs> the person says, well, I had a dream just about what you're talking about. And you can imagine how much quicker they would invite someone like that into their home yeah. to sit down and listen to them because it just validates that whatever they encountered was real. And I'll, I'll say one other thing. It seems to me over the years that the more the prayer is increased, of people just praying, 
for the nations and for specific things like we just did for about Afghanistan, that the more you have that prayer increase, the more you hear the testimonies like I just shared mm. recently where a lady just opened the door and nearly passed out, you know, and said to these couple of workers, you, you were in my dream. You were dressed even in these clothes. I mean, you hear these kind of testimonies. And, oh, my gosh. And uh, our ministry is not the only one hearing them. But you, it's incredible. To me, it really has to do with something that's taking place in the heavenly, supernaturally, as people are, are just engaging more and more in prayer. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. I just heard a story recently of uh, uh, someone in the Middle East had had one of those dreams of Jesus. And they didn't know who it was, but it was a man dressed in all white and said that he had holes in his hands yeah, <laughs> actually yeah. see the whole shine the light shining through the holes in the hand of this person in the dream and it's like oh my goodness that that makes sharing the gospel a lot easier <laughs> in those yeah, kind of for si- sure. situations that's incredible that's so encouraging that i know you have such a pulse on what's what god's doing in the nation and to hear that even in the midst of covid that that in some ways that opened up new opportunities and made people feel a sense of urgency maybe in some situations to uh, want to turn to Jesus because of the the crisis that was going on. So I, I'd love to to shift gears just a little bit because I'm just personally curious to hear you talk about the prayer core that you started in California. And I read about it in some of your writings, but as someone who's just, you know, in some ways loves to study what God's done in prayer especially day and night, 24-7 prayer. Uh, I, I would love if you, would you mind just sharing a little bit of the story of of the prayer core? Because I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that have never heard about it. Well, you know, it, often when you hear of a vision like like the prayer core, there's obviously a backstory to how it came to be. Now, this was the season in the late 1960s and, and early 70s of a revival, a, a real awakening in California, which became known as the Jesus Movement. And it just happened, I was a youth pastor. My wife and I were working with youth we had, at a great church in Sacramento, California, which was is the capital city of California. And at the, at the very beginning of when the you know historians would say that they saw the birth of the Jesus Movement was the exact time when the Lord put on my heart that we just had an incredible youth group. We had so many exciting, fun things that happened. I mean, we had a ski club and things like that. We were near the mountains. And and one day I, I was just in prayer thinking, man, we have a lot of fun. A lot of young people are coming to Christ because of the fun. <laughs> you know? yeah. They found out that the real fun is in Jesus. Yeah. And I, th- and I just thought, you know, we, we need to do something different. So I remember first I would I would come about 90 minutes before our youth meetings on Wednesday night, found a place, a storage area up behind the stage. Uh, we, we had a huge staging and because the way the church was, it had a lot of dramatic illustrated sermons and, of course, the Easter and the Christmas pageants and all that. And behind there was a storage area. And I would go up there and pray because no one would, would ever, you know, be up there and find me. And as I was praying, I felt we, we just we needed to do something different. And, and on the absolute spur of the moment, I'm praying over this, and now I'm going into the youth meeting, and we were going to have different things, activities that different 
we had organized our youth group into 10 different teams who were competing against each other, mm -hmm. doing different things to get points so that whoever had the most points at the end of December got to go with me and my, my wife and I to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of humor in this because when we started this, we gave points for everything. And we, we had a, a prayer meeting before the Sunday night service from Sunday night service, seven o'clock at night. And yeah. so there was a prayer meeting at six o'clock. Well, it ended up that when I went to the church that I, I would go to those prayer meetings because that was my heart, but I was the sometimes the only man there. And then there mm -hmm. would be five or six uh, elderly ladies. Yeah. And I just thought, well, thank God for these people that prayed. And well, then we started this program of competition with the young people organized into 10 different teams. And, and uh, we gave points for a lot of things. Uh, like they'd get so many points if they brought someone new to a, a youth meeting. Yeah. Well, suddenly they were starting to bring a lot more of their friends. Yeah. But we gave a certain number of points to anybody that came to the Sunday night prayer meeting at six o'clock. And the first Sunday night that this happened, <laughs> the, the prayer room was completely jammed with young people. I mean, praying. And it was funny to me was the parents all thought we had had revival. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. They didn't know we had points. But God used that because then they would they would start getting into the prayer. And uh, well, anyway, I came out of this one prayer time way up in the storage area and came to the youth meeting. And I just said, uh, you know, during the, all the fun we were having and, we, and, and people were coming to Christ in that. But I said, uh, I think we need to go up in the mountains and just pray. And so I, I said, I'm, I'm going to organize a, in the next couple of days a retreat place somewhere up in the mountains and we're going to go up for a weekend and but we're not going to take our you know our our volleyballs and our badminton or whatever basketballs we're going to take our bibles and if anybody wants to come and and you think even tonight you think i'd like to do that i, I just want you to sign up on a sheet of paper in the back and i'll let you know if, what date we do it and 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 it was only 22 young people but little did I know what was going to happen. We went up into the hills, and I remember we they got out of school about 3 o'clock, came to the church, and then we had to drive about four hours up into the hills. And so we were already tired. Yeah. And we were sitting in a half circle in front of a fireplace. Logs were in the fireplace. It was just a beautiful atmosphere. And I'd never done this before like this, so I, I just said, you know, let's let's just get down on our knees. They're about, they're about like I said, 22 in a half circle in folding chairs. And I said, let's get down on our knees and pray and just see what God would do. Well, we prayed the whole, the total time might've been a half hour. And all of a sudden, just spontaneously, they started sitting up in their chairs like, okay, we're done. <laughs> this is over. Yeah. And, right. and so here we are in this half circle. And this is a, what was an interesting thing to me. That I still have this memory of one thing. The youngest guy in the group was 13. Most of them were 15, 16-year-olds, but he wanted to come. We thought, well, okay, Pete, if you want to come, you can come. So I'm sitting at the opposite end of Pete, and now we're all just sitting up there, and I said, well, you know, we, we come here to pray, and, and God knows that we're human beings, and, you know, we get tired. And I told you you could bring your sleeping bags if in case you uh, didn't think you could make it for the night, and we can meet again tomorrow morning, maybe 6 a.m., and start praying again. And then I just said this. I don't even know why. I said, <laughs> uh, or we can get back down on our knees and 
fight the devil. And I don't even know why, why I said that. Mm. And little Pete at the end of the row, still makes me emotional, mm. reached up his hand and he started shaking it and he started crying. And he said, I say we fight the devil. And those words just broke something. We got back on our knees uh, at the folding chairs. And I mean, you talk about prayer. And then the folding chairs were moved because I said, if you want to move to some place and pray, and you could, you can do that. And probably about two a.m. in the morning, I noticed in front of the fireplace, flat on her face, was a a straight A, sixteen-year-old cheerleader from one of our high schools in Sacramento, just sobbing uncontrollably, sobbing. And I thought, well, I hope she's okay. This is that this was different, you know, this was really different. Mm-hmm. And I went and knelt just behind her. I don't I don't think she even knew I was there. And I started listening to her pleading for those young people on drugs uh in California to be delivered, pleading for a revival. Mm-hmm. And six months later the the Jesus movement just broke out completely and the things that she had prayed for were happening to where thousands of young people were being baptized in the Pacific Ocean on uh, Sunday afternoons. And it was the birth of the Jesus movement. And I always believed that Carolyn, in her prayers, was one of the birthers, was one of them. Well, then the following year was such a revival year amongst our youth group. and, And that was the year then God gave me the vision for the prayer corps of of seeing young people uh, when they finish high school, uh, before going to college, to sacrifice a year to raise their own support and to sustain day and night prayer. And uh, this was a real miracle because it, people were saying to me, no one's going to do it. How, what kind of young person is going to interrupt their plans to go to college or university just to pray? But over the next several years, God gave us a hundred young people who did just that. And we were able to buy two buildings in Sacramento, very, very close to the state capitol that, that became a dormitory for men and then, then a dormitory for the ladies, the young ladies yeah. and the young men. And uh, we, we called it the Prayer Corps because 10 years before that, President John Kennedy started the Peace Corps and essentially encouraged young people to do the same thing, give a year, sacrifice, and just go out kind of in the name of peace as a volunteer. And it just hit me at that time, the Jesus movement was just starting a night, that we needed a prayer corps, Mm. uh, an army of young people who would pray day and night for needs that would come to their attention, but then also for their community, and then for the nations of the world. And little did I know that a few years after that, the founder of the ministry that I've now led for 33 years that I described earlier was in in Japan praying for how can we reach everybody with the gospel. He heard about what we had done, and uh, I had done a prayer, a retreat in a church that was pastored by a very close friend to the founder of our ministry. And the very day after that prayer retreat ended, this pastor called our founder, who was Jack McAllister, and said, Jack, you've been telling me you've been praying for 21 years for someone to direct prayer for your ministry, where prayer was that person's life. 
And he said, I think I think I, I found a person like that. And little did I know that within a day, literally a day, I got a call from him, mm. the founder. He just wanted to talk to me. Well, I knew him. I, I'd heard him on the radio. I, he, he was doing TV specials for missions. And, and I thought, why? Well, I need to go see him. And, of course, that led to, well, that really led to a significant thing that I joined the ministry of Every Home for Christ as the director of prayer mobilization. And we developed a, a weekend seminar called the Change the World School of Prayer that literally in, in the next five years was in over 120 denominations really around the world because they the ministry of every home for christ had that kind of infrastructure and so it could take what we learned in the through the prayer corps and all the the experiences in prayer put it into a a teaching and now over three million people have been involved in the change the world school of prayer and in you know multiple multiple languages but and to me it was interesting because the uh the prayer corps was actually, I, I, I refer to it now as a baby IHOP. <laughs> it's just right, a little tiny, teeny, right. weeny baby IHOP. Yeah. But that's how things are born. Yeah. And so just on an aside, uh, Mike Bickle, I didn't learn this for a number of years, told me, he said, well, you know, the, where I really got my started in prayer was Diane and I were 23 years old, and we went to a Change the World School of Prayer in St. Louis. Wow. And he said, uh, that's where God got a hold of us in prayer. Well, then heard the same thing from Blue Engle, you know, hmm. and Incredible. you start hearing it from numbers of others. And they were going to Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Lutheran churches. And the, yeah. and the Change the World School of Prayer was the same in every one of them. But yeah. somehow God used that. And, uh, and we had multiple instructors and all of that came out of, you know, the prayer corps, which to me, I think behind the scenes, in a hidden sort of way, gave birth to different things of prayer ministries today uh, that are taking place. So, you know, there's a lot of stories behind that. Uh, One of the books I wrote with the unusual title, The Purple Pig and Other Miracles, really tells the whole story of uh, those days of faith, because they really were. And yet, (laughs) how God led and if someone would have said to me way back then, someday you're going to be able to report that over 250 million people have responded to the gospel. And one of the things that was not mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is when we go into villages where there are no believers and 15 or 20 really come to Christ, we don't just, you can't let them die. So mm-hmm. we organize Christ groups and we, we have now passed the total of 400,000 Christ groups. And probably in the next two years to three years, we, we will hit a, a milestone of a half a million uh, New Testament fellowships of believers begun just because someone went to their village. Wow. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. 
and the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. And of course, he, to me, it all comes back to prayer. Yeah. It's at the heart of it. Yeah, totally. Wow. You were, in, in one sense, very ahead of your time doing, doing 24-7 prayer with young people, basically doing what a lot of houses of prayer call internships, where they come for a season and, and serve yep. and learn and grow in prayer and help sustain the, the day and night prayer. Where on earth did you get this idea of the 24-7, the day and night thing? I mean, it's, it's still not well-known in all streams of Christianity, but it's a lot more well-known now than it was back then. Uh, where on earth did you get the idea? Because, I mean, as far as I know, it's one of the earliest expressions, especially in uh, this, not maybe a Catholic monastery or something like that, where there's some kind of unceasing prayer happening in America. So where did you get the inspiration for that? Well, you know, the, the, the primary scripture passage that God spoke to me and, and, and was in one of the few very definite visions that uh, I've had in my life were, in other words, I went into prayer not anticipating anything else other than that I was going to be praying like I would do any other time. I had this dramatic vision, and in it, the the young people that I saw in the vision were sustaining the prayer day and night, and the passage of Scripture that just uh, the Lord led me to immediately was Isaiah 62, where it says, I've set watchmen on your walls who will pray day and night. Yeah. And really like contend day and night for the fulfillment. One, one translation says, for the fulfillment of all my promises. And I thought, wow, this is very significant if this could happen. So that, that in itself was the thing that really spoke to me about you know, we needed to establish watchmen that would be up in the night, yeah. alert, uh, because the watchmen in ancient Bible days were on the walls to guard and protect and sound an alarm uh, if an enemy was attacking. And, of course, I saw it in the context of prayer that the enemy's always attacking. In fact, I was impacted, too, by Revelation 12, where it says that the accuser of the brethren accuses the brethren day and night. And so I was thinking, well, he, he's at work at 24-7. We need to be doing this. And there have been historic, going back to even the, 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 the outpouring, for example, of the Holy Spirit in the early 20th centuries and the 1901 in, in Topeka, Kansas, where the presence of the Holy Spirit came so powerfully and 
people began in the prayer meeting speaking in languages they'd, they'd never learned. And, and this was absolutely not common <laughs> at that right. time in the church. And with that came a passion for missions. That was what was interesting is that endowment with power came as a passion, you know, for missions. And so there, out of that, there came 24-7 prayer. And sometimes it may not have been sustained in a, you know, like year after year after year. Sure. Uh, other than if you go way back to the Moravians and the Moravians, yeah. by the way, just a couple of days ago, the, you know, was the, the anniversary of the, uh, the great revival that broke out amongst the Moravians that then led to something like this yeah. in that uh, numbers of women and numbers of men each committed themselves to, the, to a specific hour. That carried through for, as we know the story, over 100 years. But what's so unique about that was that a missionary movement grew. And I think it was after about 100 years, I think the Moravians had sent out over 2,800 missionaries. Wow. And I mean, when they first sent them out, the death rate was incredible. Mm. You know, where 50, 60 percent of those who went to the mission field died. I mean, in fact, I believe they, the first couple of years, they, they, the Moravians referred to it as the great dying. Oh, my gosh. Because there, there were so many that lost their lives to diseases and other things. But it became a, an incredible movement that uh, links together forever in our minds the, the prayer and the mission side yes. in just a convergence that now we talk about more and more the convergence of the prayer and mission movements yes. that are taking place. And one thing, you know, one thing we just re really need to remember is there, or realize is there is more prayer being mobilized now and focused now uh, than ever in history. And some might dispute it because they would say, well, what about World War II? And yeah, yes, there have been what you might call crisis peaks mm. of prayer. Uh, but the different things that have grown and developed. I, I was in the room back in 1974 when I, m most of the in the room were ladies. There were a few men. I was, I was probably the youngest. When Vonette Bright, the uh, wife of Bill Bright, felt led to bring together prayer leaders. And, and I could have never known that that was going to be the birth of what today is the National Prayer Committee, which then birthed the National Day of Prayer Task Force. And I mentioned that because when we had our very first trips to Washington for a National Day of Prayer, we would be in a, a caucus room that we would get access to. And there'd be like 20 of us, 30 of us yeah. at the most, praying all day. There might have been a few different expressions around the country of groups that might have prayed at their capital steps or something. Uh, but last year, it was um, probably 40 to 45,000 different known gatherings of people praying. Incredible. And all I can say is, if God answers prayer, the more prayer, the better. Right. And that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised if... We, uh, we don't see a, a, a real heaven-sent revival in our lifetimes, if not sooner in the sense that, you know, we all don't have to be 100 years old to see it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there's, 
just so much more happening in prayer. And that excites me. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So I love the story about the prayer core. I'm just so thankful for you. You and your pioneering of that and your school of prayer that influenced so many, so many others. That's incredible. You know, we have a lot of younger leaders or emerging leaders or those that have desires in their hearts to see revival in their cities, maybe a, a stirring to maybe plan a house of prayer or do something in their local community. Do you have any advice to young leaders right now? I mean, you've, you've been around, obviously you've seen the ebbs and the flows. You saw the Jesus movement. Now you've seen the explosion of prayer in recent years that you just talked about that's growing. You're connected to what's going on in the nations. Do you have any wisdom as a father in the prayer and missions movement for young leaders? Where do we go from here? What, what, what direction do we need to take? What do we need to be thinking about? Any, anything that's on your heart for that might be helpful for young leaders? Yeah, well, I think I'd, the, the first thing I would communicate is how very, very important it is to not just be a crisis prayer, but to be faithful in prayer. And there's nothing wrong with like something happens in Afghanistan and all of a sudden we're stirred and we we catch a burden and we pray. But it's it's to maintain that that time of prayer before the Lord. I a few people may have read my story of how in nineteen seventy five, Christmas week, I just was overwhelmed with a burden for the nations. And I think the reason it was was that I had started months before that, determined that I was going to pray for different nations every day. I wouldn't let a day go by that there I wouldn't pray for some nations, usually five or six. But on this day, a few days before Christmas, I, I was just overwhelmed with what's not happening in the nations because no one's praying. And that was when I just felt the Lord call me to become essentially what I called a world prayer missionary. And we were getting ready. We lived in Sacramento because this was the time the prayer corps was beginning. And we lived in Sacramento and we were going to drive up to Portland where these sister and brother-in-law were in ministry. And I just decided, well, I want to memorize the nations of the world so I can pray for them every day. And and so I did something spontaneous. I didn't think it was that great, but <laughs> I got a map of the, the world of, of the world and I scotch taped it to the steering wheel. Uh, remember when my wife got in the car and our two little our daughters were very young then. Yeah. Got in the car and she just looked at the steering wheel and said, what on earth is that? And I I said, well, it's a map of the world. And she said, well, I can see it's a map of the world. I'm only two feet from it. But what's it doing sticking to the steering wheel? And that's when I told her, well, a couple of days ago or whenever it was, I said, the Lord just put on my heart that a desire to pray for all the countries of the world every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was always kind of bold that way. And I was always the rest yeah, of my life. rest of your life. Lo and behold, I did. I I didn't always keep my eyes on the road on that trip, but a chunk at a time of these different nations. And I had, I had it completely memorized them by the time I got back over 200 of them. Wow. Uh, and up till this very day, they've been a part of my, my daily prayer. Now, sometimes I don't feel a great emotion at all when I'm praying. Right. Other times I feel great emotion, but it's my prayer isn't driven by emotion. It's driven by the promises of God. Come on. So, I could never have imagined 
that I'd be doing a podcast of these years later, looking back at all those years and saying, we're in almost all of them, <laughs> you know, with <laughs> yeah. active campaigns, taking the gospel home by home and, and finding means to get the word of God into others that are very, very dangerous. But in other words, if you're, if you're going to be a part of a prayer movement, pray. <laughs> you know? right. <laughs> and uh, and then the other thing is, of course, get connected to like-minded people. And many leaders have done have done just that because others are hearing from the Lord. And you may very well be hearing from the Lord, too. And when you get together, you just have a sense of this is what we need to pray for. And then, of course, you know, I do encourage the, younger generation, and not just them, but to get a hold of resource books where people have led the way, like Reese Howells, mm. uh, in the book Reese Howells' Intercessor, and the books of of E.M. Bounds. And as you read them, God will, like, pour gasoline on the flame of your heart, you know, yes. because you see how others contended. And then you you just don't give up. Now, I'm, I'm at a season in my life where more and more the younger leadership is taking over the, the reins of all the aspects of our ministry so that I can concentrate more and more I see in my years of uh, whole days in the presence of the Lord. And the, the more you actually do it, even if you don't feel something, something is happening. Yes. Then it becomes a way of life. And I, I can say this, it, when I got up this morning, I knew that the most important thing I would do today in my schedule would be to be in my prayer room and praying. And that's when I would pray for, you know, many, many of our workers that are in key positions by name, and then partners and business people who help support us. And then, and then I'll have that time in the presence of the Lord to worship him over the nations. This year, I, it's been something different. I have a brand new book out. This comes out this month called Awesome, which has been, okay. I think, really the most important book I've ever written because it's all just totally about Jesus. Oh, cool. um, it's a 31-day kind of a guide to really focus in on the nature of Jesus and then the power of his names because I invite people in this book to join me in what I call a, a month in the sun, because there's 31 main chapters, each focusing on an aspect of the nature of the Lord, like the, well, the, the, the titles of some of the chapters are like the Supreme Jesus, the Awesome Jesus, the Beautiful Jesus, the Humble Jesus, mm. the Compassionate Jesus, you know, the Abiding Jesus, I love that. Uh, the Incomparable Jesus. And so I encourage people not to read the book straight through. But the first time is just to take one chapter and at the end of each chapter about that, like the first chapter is the Supreme Jesus. And at the end are a list of names of Jesus from multiple translations. Uh, and so if a person just read through them and uh, stopped at one of them and said, Lord, I, this is my, this is your, this is who you are for me today. Uh, they may even circle it with their pen. Well, if they go, go through the book, 
in a month and they actually just lifted those names of Jesus, uh, there's 868 names, but they're at the end of each chapter. And the whole idea yeah. is to just get saturated in Jesus, just totally wow. be consumed with Jesus. And so the other thing I've been doing every day this year, which is very, quite unusual, I've never done this before, is I decided in this year I would, I would take communion uh, mm. every day. And it's been so yeah. powerful. Mm. Man, you just feel the presence of Jesus. And, and, you know, it's really, it's all about Jesus, everything. You know, the world's broken. And Jesus can fix it, and he's the only one. Mm. So, and the thing that blesses me is there's always more. There's always more. Mm. And one of the prayers I've prayed more lately is, Lord, don't let all my stories be old. Don't, you know, don't let it be just, uh, yeah. well, back in 1972, this happened. Wow, you know, the Lord really showed up. And then in 1974, wow, the Lord really showed up. And then you look back at the last month and say, you know, I, I need more of what I had in 1972. <laughs> and, yeah. and he's there. He does it. Mm. So, wow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's something so supernaturally spiritual about taking communion every day, but I just thought, you know, as often as you do this, you're declaring this is what Jesus did on the cross, yeah. and this is what the whole world needs. And so that's been a part of a part of uh, this emerging from the uh, COVID season, you know, yeah. and just uh, recognizing that. I guess you know, I love the name of you know your. Uh, presence pioneers here um, yeah. <laughs> uh, is because I've been really encouraging and our teams out on the field to, to develop and cultivate presence evangelism. Just mm. go in the presence of the Lord and watch what he'll do Yeah, in the most miraculous ways. If you're just yes. faithful. Yes. And um, one other thing I've been encouraging is we, We've got a little insert that's going into the book, Awesome. It's just mm -hmm. titled One Word Awesome, but the subtitle is Exploring the Nature and Names of Jesus. And uh, But it's encouraging people to join me because I'm going to do it. I don't know if I really said this, but in all of my chatter for the last few minutes, but the uh, the book was completely finished by the beginning of this year. Okay. And so I got what they call the design copy. In other words, I got the electronically exactly what the book would look like. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask people to do something that I'm, I don't do. And so I've been every single day going through those 31. By the time I get to the last day of the month, I'm 31 days from when I did day number one. And so right. it's like fresh. I mean, right. is this, so far, it's absolutely been fresh. And so I got to thinking I would not be surprised that this is a lifetime. And I might add some things to it, of course. But the, yeah. but the thing is, you always see something new. Yeah. Uh, or you're reminded how significant this, this characteristic is of Jesus. And we all, if you're a real follower of Christ, you want to be like him. Yeah. And uh, yes. so this gives you a way to kind of say, well, this... I want this, yeah, and I, I yeah. want to know what Jesus this was 
like in your in your journey and your walk and so it only takes about 15 minutes or less to do what i just described uh, so it's just a part of a for me a longer time of prayer but it it's it's something that just reminds me it's it's all about jesus yes uh there is just that. no name like that name there's mm. no name yes and I so boy that. i say to any young leader you connect with Jesus like that. Just connect with him and, and stick at it and watch if it doesn't deeply, deeply impact your life. Mm. Because in the end, it's all, about, it's all about him for sure. I love that. That's so good. Thank you so much. Thank you for being tender there about that as well. I, I appreciate that. And we'll, we'll um, be sure to link to that, to your new book in the description of the podcast so people can can check that out my probably my favorite book other than the bible is is knowledge of the holy by aw tozer which yeah. is just the which is just about the characteristics the attributes of god and so there's something about just meditating on who god is who jesus is and what he's like what he's done for us that's transformative so well Dick, this has been an amazing time thank you for being so generous with your time and and sharing your heart so thankful for for you and your ministry and uh, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It's a joy. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, would you please share it with somebody? Post it on social media. Let people know about this resource to encourage them and strengthen them. If you're not yet following or subscribing, please hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app or on YouTube. Again, you can always go to our website at presencepioneers.org and subscribe via email there as well. If you're on YouTube, could you give us that little thumbs up? Maybe leave us a comment. If you're tuning in on Apple, which I know most of you are, the Apple podcast app, could you leave us a rating or a review? All of that helps get credibility to our podcast and reach more people with the good news that God's presence changes everything. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.